Welcome to the anointed and transformational teaching ministry of Pastor Walea Kinshiku, Senior Pastor of House of Praise Mississauga, Canada, a parish of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. It is our prayer that as you listen to this message, that you will be empowered to achieve your dreams and fulfill your destiny. God bless you as you listen. I want to talk about becoming unstoppable, and this is going to be part three. Becoming unstoppable, and this is part three. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, we thank you for this word. We, Lord, we open our spirits and open our hearts. Lord, we're expecting you to speak to us today, Lord individually and collectively and as families, those online, those on site, everywhere, oh, oh Lord, across this building, across everywhere. Lord, we pray you will speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Becoming unstoppable. How do we make satisfactory progress even in the midst of opposition and obstacles that look insurmountable? How do we still make not just progress but satisfactory uh, progress. We started this about some two Sundays ago, so this is part three. And just a quick review, it's going to be a short, quick review. Satisfactory progress, as we have defined it, we've agreed on this definition, and we've come to define satisfactory progress as reaching milestones in our journey of destiny. You see, as far as heaven is concerned, progress is measured by destiny. As far as heaven is concerned, progress is measured by destiny. So when we reach milestones in the journey of our destiny, okay, in a timely manner, according to the seasons ordained by God for our lives. Okay? The seasons ordained by God for our lives. This is a very, that's a very important point. The seasons ordained by God for our lives. We don't run with somebody else's season. The season ordained by God for our life. Of course, there are some general seasons in life. Of course, there are general seasons in life. Fine. We flow with those general seasons. But there are also some things that are specific to you. Specific to you that you, you have to understand that you can't judge your life by comparing yourself with other people. Okay? Seasons of life. All right, so when we, we look at scriptures, Ecclesiastes 3.1, and look at that. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. Let me at this point quickly mention to you that the most precious thing to you, you might not think of it that way now, you might think that uh, your, 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 your assets that you have, you know, in terms of your, 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 your net worth, you know, it's your financial assets, uh, if you ask somebody, what's the most precious thing to you in your life? You know, some nice people will say, oh, my family. <laughs> which is true, which is true. Some people will say, you know, uh, you know some say, oh, Jesus. Okay, okay. For, for, the, for what I want to say, I, I understand. We even have this song. We even, we even sing that song that says that. It's my treasure. You know, it's my everything and all of that. that that's true. But in the context of what I'm about to say right now, what is your most important asset that Satan can steal? So obviously Jesus is already out of that equation. So Satan cannot steal Jesus. Right? Eh? Oh, okay. Okay. Satan can steal Jesus. All right. So what's the most, impressions, most important thing? Uh, most precious asset, rather, that you have? Some people say, oh, this and this and that. But let me say this to you. Listen. 
as in the school of destiny, your most important, most precious asset is your time. In the school of destiny, your most precious asset, most important resource you have is time. That is why the most important thing that Satan sets out to steal, please hear me clearly, for somebody that is on the path of destiny, what Satan really sets out to steal is not money, it's not physical asset, it's your time. Because once time is gone, it cannot be retrieved, at least except on the supernatural scale. But generally speaking, it cannot be retrieved. And time is the only thing that is no respect of persons. Everybody has the same 24 hours. Am I correct? Everybody has the same 24 hours. Satan is doing everything to steal your time. And he's going to use everything to steal your time. He's going to use social media. He's going to use you know, uh, broadcast news. He's going to use all manners of, he's going to use some friends. He's going to use all manners of things. He's going to use some good things that are not destiny things to steal your time. He's going to use, um, uh, um, um, uh, <laughs> he's going to use some phone calls, some two and a half hours being on the phone. It's important to invest in relationships, don't get me wrong. But you and I know, you, somebody you spoke to for yesterday, two and a half hours, what did you discuss? Politics in Nigeria. You call the same person again tonight. What are you going to discuss again? Politics in Nigeria. Listen to me, friends. Time is going. Time is going. You see, what is the difference between me now and the chief medical director in the nearest hospital here in Mississauga, you know, suburb of Toronto, for those watching online, where we're located right now? What's the difference between me and that person? It's not, okay, smartness. Yes, of course, the person is smarter than me. But the real difference is that it's time. What they have done is to have, they've converted, I don't know, maybe 18 years, 20 years of their lives to time. They've converted time to wisdom. That's what we go to do in school. It's time. We convert time to wisdom. So after we have left school, we should carry that same discipline to be constantly be converting time into what? That's why it says, teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days. I really pray for you that you will get this. They said, because there's an opportune time to do everything in life. There is an opportune time to do everything in life. May God restore to you the years that the locust has eaten in Jesus' name. There's a right time for everything on earth. You will not miss your timing. So what does it mean then for you and I, actually, quickly, to be unstoppable? Let's look at it. We'll review, look at this all last time. Personal exemption from a general rule. You know, overcoming the limitations of, of your birth. And everybody has those limitations. And having the capacity to overcome demonic agenda that is orchestrated against your destiny and my destiny. This is true. Please believe it. This is true. There is a demonic agenda that is orchestrated against your destiny. Please believe it. You don't need to have a dream to know that. You don't need to have a strange manifestation to know that. Okay? Just please do believe that because the scripture teaches that. Okay? If you don't believe that, it means you don't believe the entirety of the Bible because the scripture teaches that. All right? Now then, 
We've done all of this before. So what are the keys to becoming unstoppable? These are the keys that we said it takes to be unstoppable. Cultivating divine nature, cultivating divine presence, which we looked at last week, the manifest presence of God, developing the divine treasure in us. Now, so today, this week, I want to actually talk about cultivating the divine nature in you. If you're writing, please write it down. Cultivating the divine nature in you. This, to the glory of the Almighty God, is apart from outside of divine presence, outside of the presence of God that is manifest with us, okay, the active manifestation of the invisible presence of God, the manifest presence of God. Outside of that, this is the key that unlocks success and significance in, even in the midst of opposition and fierce demonic challenges. So if you have not paid attention to anything, please pay attention to this. Listen very carefully to me. Skill is very, very important in life. We need to acquire skill. The Bible teaches a lot about the necessity for skill acquisition. Daniel chapter 1 verse 17 tells us that God gave Daniel this for skill. Skill is very, very important. The Bible teaches about the necessity for one to know, to be competent. Have you seen a man okay, that is diligent in his work? Diligent in his work, that means prompt in his work, that knows what he's doing. He will stand before kings, not mere men. Proverbs 22, 29. So the Bible teaches a lot about the necessity for skill. Technique is important. Experience is also good. The only challenge with all of this, skill, technique, and experience, the challenge with all of this, added together and multiplied by a billion, is that it can find no way against demonic opposition. Skill can find a way against demonic opposition. Experience can find a way against demonic opposition. Technique can find a way against demonic opposition. The only thing that the demons must bow before is the nature of God. Demons don't bow before human beings. Demons don't tremble for human beings. Demons tremble when they see God. But because God is in heaven, but God is also in you. Can I hear an amen from somebody? God is also in you. So when they see the God in you, then they say, all right now, okay, then they move backwards. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying now? Yeah. Oppositions don't run away. They can't just clear for man. Human, you need to come to the conclusion that human nature is very, very limited. It's very, very limited. When Nicodemus, when Nicodemus came to Jesus, he said to Jesus in John chapter 3, he said, no one can do these works except God be with him, which is true. Divine nature. Sorry, divine presence. The manifest presence of God. Nobody can do this work except God be with him. So Nicodemus was trying to figure out, because he was the head of the synagogue. He was a teacher. He was trying to figure out what does it take to manifest like Jesus Christ is manifesting and have the level of results Jesus was having. So he said, okay, I understand that there's the manifest presence. How do you, how can I get into this manifest presence, you know, uh, connection? And Jesus now told him, you know, except the man be born again, John chapter 3, verse 3. Except the man be born again, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was, you know, almost in a sarcastic, you know, sarcastic manner. He asked, he said, 
how can the man be born again? He goes, would you have to go back into my mother's home? But what Jesus was telling him was that you have to change your nature from being a human, from human nature to divine nature. You have to change. If you are not, if that nature, that divine nature is not in you, Nicodemus, you are just going to be a lecturer in the synagogue. You will not be able to do anything beyond the natural. You will be limited. So Jesus was trying to get him to understand that the divine nature is critical. Is anybody in the house? And this is not just, this is not for pastors, uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers. It's not for the fivefold office. This is one of the lies Satan has been telling the whole church, the body of Christ. This is for every one of us. It's not only pastors that are born again. Everybody is born again. I'm not, I don't carry divine nature because I'm a pastor. I carry divine nature because I'm born again, bought by the blood of Jesus. Are you born again? Quick question, are you born again? Then the divine nature is in you. The same divine nature that is in me is the same thing in you. It's the same thing in anybody. It's the same thing. The same blood of Jesus that was shed for me was shed for you. It's important you know that. The only difference is that one person might have cultivated this divine nature more than the other person. And as a result of that, has come to the point whereby they are a lot more aware of their divine nature before they are aware of their human nature. There are people that are more conscious of their divinity before they are conscious of their humanity. Is anybody in this house? So listen then to this quickly. Redemption through Christ Jesus has positioned you and I to do more than we think we can do in life and to go further than we think we can go. I didn't add one other thing there. And to go faster than we think we can go. Redemption has positioned us to do that. Redemption has positioned you to do more than you think you can do. Now, you, all you think you can do right now, based on your human judgment, is at a particular level. But the Bible says that in him you have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. This redemption we have in Christ is not just an escape visa to heaven. Oh, blessed be God for that. If our Lord Jesus Christ comes today, by reason of his grace and mercy, you know, those that are dead in Christ will rise first, and we that we are alive will be caught up in heaven at the sound of the trumpet. Blessed be God for that. Caught up with him in, you know, in the sky, and that's what we call the rapture. Blessed be God for that. But that's not the whole purpose of redemption. That's the ultimate benefit, no doubt about that. It trumps every other thing. But that's not the whole agenda. While we're still here on earth, according to Luke 19:13, it says, Occupy until I come. So, how are we going to occupy until he comes? How are we going to take possession of things until he comes? Whether I'm a businessman, I'm a career, I'm a family man, I'm a pastor, it doesn't matter. Occupy until I come. We have to understand that redemption allows us to go beyond our human capacity. To go beyond the limitations that our, our human nature puts on us. Redemption allows us to go beyond that. So you can do more than you think you can do. I said you can do more than you think you can do. You can go beyond the limit you think you can go. That is why the point your father reached is not the point you will reach. You will go beyond that point. 
I must, I must speak to people on this side. The point your father reached is not the last point you will reach. You will go beyond that point. And Terah, the father of Abraham, Abraham, he took Abraham, he took Lot, his grandson, and he, he left all of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. Genesis chapter 11. Then he got to the middle of the road, a place called Haran. Okay? And when he got to this place called Haran, he dwelt there. Genesis 11:31. He dwelt there. Haran was on the way to Canaan. Where he wanted to go was Canaan. But when he got to Haran midway, he stopped. And guess what? He dwelt there. And guess what? Then he died in Haran. He died in Haran. But then Abraham did not say, well, this is how far my father came. If only I can even reach this point, I thank God I'm now. No! Abraham said, well, this is where my father got to. I thank God for my father. Now what I have to do is to stand on the shoulders of my father and use my father's achievement as an advantage for myself and ride on the wings of my father and move beyond my father. Friends, you are going to move beyond your parents. You will move beyond your parents. You will move beyond the previous generation. I'm speaking to you, you will move beyond the previous generation. In the name of Jesus Christ. We can go beyond our human limitations. Your background is not a death sentence. Your background is not the final sentence on your destiny. You might have come from a poor home. That's not the final sentence on your destiny. You might have come from the lowest point, lowest rung on the ladder, social ladder. That's not the final statement on your destiny. The way the family in which you were born into might not have been able to afford qualitative education for you. So that might have impaired part of where you are in life today. Friends, that's not the end of your story. You might have faced some tragedies, faced some different challenges, faced some difficulties in life. That is not the end of your story. Oh, I know I'm preaching to somebody here today. That's not the end of your story. Somebody said, that's not the end of my story. Oh, look at that issue and say, that's not the end of, oh my God, my God, my God. I'm looking at one or two issues now and I'm saying to myself, that's not the end of my story. That's not the end of my story. That's not the end of my story. Somebody ought to look at one or two things in your life and say to yourself, that's not the end of my story. Look at that issue again and say to yourself, it's not the end of my story. It's not the end of my story. Don't rejoice over me, my enemies. For when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, light shall break forth from me. That's not the end of my... Yes, I bought a house. They took the house from me. It's not the end of my story. Yes, my marriage is shaky. Maybe my wife left me. It's not the end of my story. I had a child. The child did not... It's not the end of my story. I had pregnancy. I miscarried. It's not the end of my story. It's not the end of my story. Yes, I went to the doctor, ordinary physical, and they told me I have this in my body. It's not the end of my story. Friends, I've got good news for somebody in the house today. It is not the end. Not the end of your story. It's not the end of your story. Redemption has opened up another way for us. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Philip said, Sir, please show us the way. We don't know where you're going. Jesus, what is wrong with you? Look at me. Jesus, I'm way. Why? Come unto me. All you that labor and are heavy lady, I will give you rest. Once you have found Jesus, you don't need to go to any other place. Once you have found Jesus, you don't need to go to any other place. 
is the master comprehensive solution provider. Comprehensive solution provider. His name is Jesus. So redemption through Christ has given us that. So this is an important statement. Please write it down if you're writing. I, I, I plead with you, please. I plead with you. Write this statement down. Check it out. Any attempt to evaluate yourself without understanding the value of your redemption will always lead to mediocrity and average achievements. That's why sometimes the things we are celebrating and people are celebrating with you God is looking at it from heaven and God is saying, oh my God. God is saying, what is this? this is, look at this average achievement. Joshua conquered 31 lands, 31 kings, and acquired their land. 31! And God looked at him and said, there is still so much land to conquer, but you are well advanced in age. Don't judge yourself just by your natural ability only. If everything, you know, I've said, I've said this statement for many, many years. If everything good happening in your life today can be explained by natural principles only, you are wasting the grace of salvation. Everything in your life can be explained by natural principles only. You are wasting the grace of salvation. You don't even know the fullness of your redemption. There should be things in your life that people can say, it's true. This one is because he went to school. This one is because he's hardworking. This one is because he studied very well. They can explain that by natural principles. Then they should look at another two or three and say, this one, mm, ah, we don't know. This one, we're not sure. This one, but how did he get to this point? Aha, you see, those ones, they don't have an answer. Because the answer is supernatural. The answer is the Holy Ghost. You should get to the point in your life whereby, like Nicodemus came to Jesus. You should get to the point in your life where people come to you and say, excuse me, can I just see for a minute? You say, oh, yeah, 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 so why, why, why not? How are you doing? So I'm doing well. You see, you, you know what? I, I, I've just always wondered how you do this and this, how this and this happen. And you smile and you laugh. And you tell them like, what you are seeing. And they, they already know also, but you're not confirmed to them that what you're seeing is not one, it's not one person doing it. There are spirits that are behind me. You see, what you are seeing, you are seeing something physical. But actually, I'm not the initiator. I'm not an initiator. I'm just a custodian of spirits. The spirits need a human body to function here on earth. And they've just chosen me to be a custodian. They're just using me. It's not me. And you can tell them and say, oh, spirits. Spirits. He said, oh, yeah, 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 spirits. He said, but I thought you were a Christian. You are not carrying spirits? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same one Holy Spirit. For we have one baptism, you know, and one Holy Spirit, but different expression. Like, say, come, come, come. Let me introduce you to this one, spirit of wisdom. So, let me introduce you. Come and see. Meet you. Spirit of understanding. Okay, this one is the one that helps me keep my, if as I succeed, keep my success. Spirit of the fear of the Lord. Are you still with me now? You introduce them to these spirits. So every time you see me, this, you see this risk, you think, so, but you know, you take some big risk. Oh, it's not. let me introduce you. Come, meet the spirit of it. That's the spirit of it. 
You know, introduce them to all. He said, okay, now, nah, understand? Yeah, he said, there's still more, but just meet those three for today. <laughs> there's still more. More that I work with me. This is the value of our redemption. Friends, we are too loaded to fail. That's why when you came to church today, blessed be God for all of those people that are out there registering people and over ushers as they count people. But listen to me very carefully. They are very mistaken in their numbers. Because they only count human beings. But you have come to Zion, Mount Zion, the city of the living God. Amalakushna Patalaya. You have come to the heavenly Jerusalem, the innumerable company of angels, and the general assembly and the church of the firstborn. You see, the spirit of just men made perfect are here right now. Innumerable company of angels are here now. Do you know the number of things that are here now? If God opens your eyes, some of you will not come to church again. Angels are here. Innumerable company. They can't count, can't count them. As you came here today, you came with your own angels. I came with my own angels. Are you hearing me now? Yeah. So, oh no, it's me and my wife that came in the car. No, you, are. you came with angels. You came here with angels. I said they are always with you. For you will give his angels charge over you. They are around you. They are with you. You came here with angels. And you now came to church and there are angels here. And the spirit of judgment is here. And the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel is on this altar now. Speaking, 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 speaking. The blood is speaking now. Somebody that ought to have, they, they are programmed death for this week. The blood is saying to that person, no, 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 no. It's canceling the death sentence now. Somebody that a meeting was called for against in the coving of witches over the weekend. As you came to church today now, the blood is speaking now. You didn't even know. The blood is speaking and saying, no, touch not my anointed. Do my prophets no harm. Friends, touch yourself and say, I'm too loaded. Someone touch yourself. Oh, this is not pride. This is speaking scripture. Somebody ought to touch themselves. I don't know where you are. Maybe you're at home. Maybe you are here. Slap yourself and tell yourself, I'm too loaded. You are. You are. Philemon chapter 1 is only one chapter. Verse 6. That the acknowledgement of your faith. Acknowledgement of your faith. You have to acknowledge every good thing. That is in you. So you can become effective in destiny. That's what he's saying. Someone touch yourself and say, I'm too loaded. There's too much in you. Too much in you. You need to understand this value of your redemption. Let's take it a step further. Then, what this means then is this. Having a good understanding of our divine nature is the first step in the manifestation of this nature. You must have a good understanding that you are carrying the nature of God in you. You are carrying the nature of God in you. When you got born again, friends, listen carefully to me. Christianity is not a modification of behavior. When people get, people get born again, and you know, it's unbelievable, people get born again, and the first thing we tell them is, people get born again, the first thing we want to tell them is, go and change your skirt. Go and change your hair. Go and your skirt is too short. 
Your this is to this. Look at all the tattoos of your body. Look at this. Why is this gold teeth there? And, and so on. This one people get what These are all the things. We're trying to modify what is on the outside. That motivation should be for us to teach them what is on the inside. Because Christianity is not changed from outside to inside. Christianity is changed from inside to outside. For God is the one that works in you, both to will, come on, somebody, oh my God, and to do according to his good pleasure. He works in you, both to will and to then do according to his good pleasure. It must work in you. That's when it becomes permanent. When God has worked in you, it's when it becomes permanent. But when human beings has helped you to enlarge or elongate your skirt, it's not permanent. <laughs> you did for sure. You wear long skirts. When you did it, it's nonsense. Let me go and wear my what I want to wear. No, Christianity is no modification of behavior. It's a lot more. Christianity is the life of God that come to reside in man. That's what Christianity is about. The life of God. You need to understand this nature. You need to understand this nature. You're not ordinary. Friends, you are not ordinary at all. Thank you. You are not ordinary at all. That's right. You're not ordinary. Maybe they've called you ordinary. Your teachers in school have even called you average. Your parents might have said, oh, this one is an average student. This is my real son. This is my real daughter. This one's just an average student. People around you might have called you average. Friends, you are not average. You are not ordinary. How come only three people are saying amen? I said you are not ordinary. You better believe this. You're not ordinary. Carrying the nature of God. While human nature is limited in providing solutions in life to complex challenges of life, and the challenges are getting more and more complex every day, the divine nature is unlimited. And I'm going to walk you through a logic a bit of logic of how we work out faith or the, the, the place how faith works a little bit in a few minutes. The divine, the, the human nature is limited. It's limited. But the divine nature is completely unlimited. The human nature tells me that if you have so and so and so disease, sorry, we've reached our limits. We, as at this point, science cannot handle this. They've tried, but they're limited. Notice that I did not say the human nature is useless. It's not useless, but it is what? Limited. That's the balance. So it's not useless. It's only limited. But the divine nature is unlimited. Now, quickly then, let's look at this. In Mark 10, 27, notice that Jesus is the one speaking here. Jesus Christ said, he's looking at them. He's looking at you know, his disciples now, is lecturing them, teaching them. And he's saying to them, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But, not with God. You know, if Jesus has stopped at this period here, you and I will have been doomed. You and I will have been doomed. Humanly speaking, it's impossible. And Jesus said, full stop, and that's the end of the statement. We will have been doomed. But Jesus quickly added, but not with God. Everything. Somebody say everything. everything. Everything is possible with God. Stop there. Now, listen to me carefully. This statement is the easiest statement 
to believe by a believer, unbeliever. Everybody believes this statement. Everybody believes that we God, of course, of course, it's God. God can do everything. Is that not true? We all believe this. this is, there's no controversy about this statement. Everybody believes that with God, all things are possible. Now, and that is exactly what Satan wants you to believe and stop there. Oh, Jesus, everything is possible with God. Satan wants you to believe this statement. Then you will not stop there. And let me say this to you. I'm going to be frank with you. Is that all right? <laughs> if you believe this statement alone, you won't be able to do great things. If this statement is the only one you believe, you won't be able to do great things. You will see one or two things, but you won't be, you will not, you will not be able to do great things. That does not mean that some people that have a better understanding will not be able to help you activate one or two great things that will happen in your life, but you on a consistent basis will not be able to do great things. If you see anybody on a consistent basis doing great things, they believe this statement, but they believe beyond this statement. Notice that they don't say they believe beyond scripture. They, do not be, they don't believe beyond scripture, but they believe beyond this statement. So what is it, what is it that they don't believe beyond this? They believe what Jesus said here. Mark chapter 9, verse 21 to 23. They believe this. This is the story of a man that came, brought his son to Jesus, the disciples could not, because the disciples believed that with God all things are possible. But when they faced the solution, they could not solve the problem. So Jesus was now teaching them. Jesus asked the man, how long has this been happening? The boy's father said, since he was a little boy, verse 22, the spirit, that's the demon now, the boy is not, the father is not speaking, the demon always throws him into the fire and into the water, trying to kill him. Now, this man that brought the son all the way from the house to meet the disciples of Jesus, I'm sure you know that this problem has been started since childhood. I'm sure you know that the man believes God can do everything. Do you believe that? Yeah, that's why he came. If he did not believe that there was a solution, he won't come. He believes God can do everything. So he came to, he brought them to the disciples of Jesus and said, God can do everything. And the disciples also believe God can do everything. But on this occasion, they saw that nothing was happening. So the man said, please have mercy on us. Just help us if you can. I believe God can do everything. But now with the failure I've just seen with the disciples, my faith is now so weak. I don't know. If you can have, I don't know, if you can have access to God, please, if you can do something. You know, and I say this all the time with people. I see this all the time with people. People that are sick in their body or going through one difficulty or the other, when they come for prayers, the agony, the intensity of their pain, please don't, don't, don't take this wrong at all. I'm telling you, I'm showing you something. Here. The intensity and the agony of their pain, you can see that that intensity and the agony of their pain sometimes make them express themselves in a manner that they're communicating that pain in such a way that if you, that you are hearing, and you want to be an agent of solution, you yourself might begin to doubt God. 
And somebody comes to me and says, Pastor, 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 oh, Pastor. They told me that, the doctors told me there's nothing they can do again anymore now. They've sent the person home to just go and die. This person is in that hospice now. Pastor, Pastor, Pastor. And, you know, has four children. Who's going to send the children to school? And all of that. You see, all of the situation they're saying is factual. It is true that that is, there's a lot of agony. There's a lot of pain. But, friends, let's, let me say something to you quickly. At this point, please don't take this wrong at all. I don't want to create any offense. I want you to hear my heart out. I've been through stuff myself, please, friends. Please understand that all of that does not solve the problem. All of that, from heaven's point of view, does not solve the problem. All of that, Satan enjoys it because it does not move him. Are you still with me? We still love each other? All right. All right, so look at, what, look at the prescription of Jesus. Jesus said, what do you mean? <laughs> Somebody say, but he didn't say it that way. How do you know? <laughs> you were not there. <laughs> you were not there. How do you know he didn't say it that way? How, okay, so how do you say, so what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> no, you don't say it that way. That's not how you say, what do you mean? What do you mean means, what do you mean? That's the way you say it. Jesus, what do you mean, if I can? Jesus asks, anything is possible if, come on now, if what? This is not if God, that is not God now. Jesus is telling the man, listen to me. This is not about if God can do it. Stop that. Stop all of that. Stop elaborating the problem. Stop em expansiating the problem. Stop reporting the comprehensive nature of the problem. Stop reporting hopelessness to me. Jesus was saying, start reporting scripture to me. Jesus is saying, don't tell me, stop telling me how hopeless the situation is and how bad and the, the circumstances and the consequences and the implications that if this man dies now, who's going to take care of the children, the wife does not walk and all of that stuff. Jesus said, I get that. I'm omniscient. I knew all of this before the foundation of the world. Don't report the situation to me. Report my world to me. And tell me about my faithfulness and about my greatness. And produce, let me produce something out of me. Are you hearing what I'm saying, friends? If a person can believe. Now, the truth is this, friends. Let's look at this thing mathematically. Let's look at this thing mathematically. With God, all things are possible. With a man or a woman of faith, all things are possible. Is that what the scripture is saying? Speak to, is that, you are afraid to say it. This is what the scripture is saying. This is what the scripture is saying. But these people, when they read Mark 10, 27, they believe that's true. Because God, all things are possible. When they read Mark 9, 23, let's look at it in the NKJV version so that you see it now. Let's start with Mark 10, 27. NKJV. Mark 10, 27. NKJV, what does it say? Look at what it says. But Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, come on now. All things are possible. This is Mark 10. So do you believe this now? All right. Then look at Mark 9, 23, NKJV. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him. So you see, all things are possible. All things are possible twice. 
So all things, friends, are possible. Can I say this to you? According to Scripture, not only to God. It's not only to God. God is not the one that has the exclusive right to all things being possible. According to Scripture. According to Scripture. The man that will also believe in God also has a right to all things being possible. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? This is the mathematical... This is the same Mark that wrote this. The same John Mark wrote the same thing. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. Wrote it. Friends, let's read it. This is what it says. Believe it. Try your best. You have to believe this. The reason why is what I want to show you. Are you ready? So, you know, a lot of times we say, oh, even if God can do something, and God is, heaven is waiting and saying, you have to do something. You, you have to do something. And you are saying, oh, God, do something. And God is saying, ah, you have my nature. Do something. You have my nature. Do something. You, you know, let's look at it. Let's look at it. Um, Exodus chapter 14. It's not on my slide, so put it. Exodus chapter 14. Um, start from verse 13. Exodus 14, 13. Moses said to the people, this is at the Red Sea, do not be afraid, stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. See now, see what, just, I want you to watch what Moses is saying. See the salvation of God, which he will accomplish. Come on now, accomplish who is going to accomplish it? Who did Moses say would do it? No, don't, don't, don't use your imagination. Just look at the scripture. Just read it. It's very simple. The reason why I'm asking you is not to challenge your intelligence. It's for us to meditate. Because this is how you understand the Bible. By meditation. And meditation, one of the tools of meditation is asking questions. Who did Moses say would do it? God. He said he will accomplish it for you. God will do it for you. God will do it for you. So that the Egyptians you see today, you will see no more. You can imagine how these Pentecostal people shouted. Amen! <laughs> Next verse, please. <laughs> Look at what he says now. Ah! He now went on in his prophecy. He said, the Lord will fight for you. Amen! He said, and you, you don't have to do anything at all. You're just going to hold your peace. And you're going to see what God is going to do now. Now let's see how God responded. Verse 15. God has the right to respond, right? And the Lord said to Moses, look at what God said to Moses. Do you, now, let's look at it now. Will you say that this is a rebook? Is this a rebook? Is it, this is a rebook. God is saying to Moses, hey, Moses! Why are you getting all the people so excited that I'm going to do something? <laughs> God to Moses, Moses, shut up! Look at Moses, you're trying to put me in trouble. You're telling the people to stand still. Ah, Moses, the people, Egyptians will catch up with them. If they stand still, Egyptians will catch up. Moses, don't put me in trouble. And some of you, in your situations in life, you have been standing still. They diagnose cancer, you stand still. I know God will do something. And the cancer is eating the whole body, eating the body and deteriorating from stage one to stage two to stage three. And they now say it's reaching the final stages. And I know God will do something. And God is saying, That's why people put me in trouble. Then they will not say, I cannot, I'm not powerful. You don't have a job, first month, two months, three months. You say, I know, I just, I just, I trust my God. 
I trust my, I know I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting, I'm believing God. God will do something. And God will say, I'm believing you to do something. Tell the children of Israel to go forward. To where? Forward to where now? In the Red Sea? And God said, verse 16, look at it now. God told Moses, lift up your rod, Moses. Stretch out your hand over the sea. And look at it now. Stretch out your hand over the sea. And what shall you do? Which hand? The hand of Moses. And divide it. Eh? A man, how do you divide the sea? But God said, stretch out your hand. Not my own hand, though. You stretch out your hand. Then Moses now stretched out his hand. When Moses stretched out his hand, now let's look at what happened in verse 21. 20, let's jump to verse 20. Verse 20. And not 21. 21. Moses, no, 21. Moses stretched out his hand, right? Over the sea. The spirits now, the Lord caused the sea to go back. At what point did the Lord cause the sea to go back? Where Moses stretched out his hand. So you see that you are waiting on God, but God is the one waiting on you. He's the one waiting on you. You could say, I know God will heal me. I know God is going to heal my body. God is waiting on you to speak to the sickness to get out of your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. God is waiting for you to speak, and then God will move. You speak, then God will move. You speak. So I, I know I've applied to four places. I know they will call me. I'm waiting on them. I know my God. I know my God. They will do something. I trust my God. This fire I'm going through, and God is saying, Ah, okay. You should be the one to summon the job to meet you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You speak to the mountain. I can't move a mountain. But I can speak to it in faith. So how did the children of Israel cross this Red Sea? Let's look at the commentary. Thousands of years later, the commentary of the Holy Spirit about what happened on that night. Hebrews 11, 29. This is what the Holy Spirit said. By faith! You know, you know let me say something to you. This statement in Hebrews eleven twenty nine 29 is right and correct if instead of the word faith, you change it to God. Is that right? Come on now. Is that right? Okay, so let's read it that way. By God, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. That's theologically and scripturally correct. Is it not true? Is it not by God? Uh-huh. But the Bible is saying, that, that is telling you then, whatever God can do, faith in God can also do it. So then, if that's true, then how how does this faith work? I'm sure you're ready to know now. It is with the heart that man believes, not the head, not your head, with your what? Your heart. With the heart, man believes, not the head, not the head. Your heart. This is the reason why it will make sense to you now. The reason why Satan is after your heart. All manners of offenses that people carry in their heart. That's why Jesus said you must forgive from your heart. The heart is the most, one of the most precious things that God ever gave you. Satan is after your heart like nothing else. God himself is after your heart. My son, give me your heart. That's what God said. My son, Proverbs 23, 26. My son, give me 
your heart. God is after your heart. Satan is also after your heart. Satan will be planting seeds of offenses all over the place in your heart. And the, role, the goal of that is that if Satan can see that your heart, your heart cannot function effectively, could hold faith because there are leakages because of offenses, roots of bitterness, resentment has grown there. Satan knows that this one, this one, this one is a joke. I'm going to deal with this one. He comes and brings a challenge to you. You can't deal with it because it is with the heart that man believes. That's why when you understand this, you don't joke with offenses. When it comes, you push it away. You push it away quickly. You tell, eh, no. Because when Satan wants to bring about a dangerous attack, your destiny, the first thing he creates is strife. Strife opens the door for every other demon to come in. That is scriptural. James chapter 3 tells us, wherever there is strife, every evil thing is there. That means once strife comes in, he opens the door and calls his cousins and brothers and second cousin, third cousin, and brings all of them in. Never open your heart to strive. You know, you can say to somebody, well, it doesn't bother me. I've been, I've been having this in my heart now for four years. You have to understand something. Satan, one of the names for demons is what you call principalities. In the Greek, ake. Ake is the word, also the way we derive the word archives or archaic, which means very old. These demonic entities, we don't know their age. Friends, they are very old. They have been there for a long time and they are patient. What is three years, four years to a spirit? What is ten years to a spirit? They've been here for a long time. They've been here for a long time. So they're very, very patient. Very patient. They wait. Three years. Four years. They wait. Then they will break down the defenses more and more. More and more. When they realize that it's going to take you time to be able to get back to a point of premium spirituality. Not just spirituality where you pray, you read our daily bread in the morning. Premium spirituality. When he knows that, now it's going to take you some months. You know what they do? Then they now bring the attack. At first, you don't even understand what is going on at all. You just wake up in the morning and say, I'm just feeling a bit of pain here. Jehovah, you are the most high. You are the most high God. I know there's nothing you cannot do. What you say you will do? You don't even know what has hit you. <laughs> you don't know the orchestration that has been put in place. You will need faith to push this in back. But faith is domiciled in the heart. And your heart has issues. You don't joke with this. When I, let me tell you this. How I know Satan is about to bring attack against me, against my family, and against the ministry God has entrusted into my heart, into my hands, is offenses. When I see offenses come, ah, I know that in the next three weeks, four weeks, one month, two months, an attack is coming. So I need to make sure that tells me I need to be in a point, a place of premium spirituality. So let me quickly lose this battle of offenses and apologize and forget it. Let me move on. Because what is coming that Satan wants to take from me, I don't know if you're hearing what I'm saying. What Satan wants to take from me is very valuable. That's why he sent this one to, to take me down two or three notches from my premium level of spirituality so that when the attack happens, 
I won't be able to stand against it. So I know. I know. I'm, what I'm telling you, God Almighty is my witness, is true. I will not be standing in front of you here today. Not because of just prayer, exercise of faith. That is important. If I had not apologized to somebody that biologically I could give birth to myself. Biologically. It's not, I'm not talking about spiritualists. Biologically. I apologize vehemently. I will be dead. But I apologize. One month later, Satan showed up at my door. Literally, Satan showed up at my door with a host of demons from hell. Friends, listen to me. That's why you understand. It's not what all these things that people are doing, this and that and that and that. No, I can't even, I can't even. No, I can't even. You don't even understand what is going on. What is most precious to you is what Satan wants to steal. While you are collecting certificates of winning, debating and debating, literary and debating society. <laughs> winner, 2021, winner, 1999. Seven years in a row, winner. You're collecting certificates, literary and debating society. And Satan is saying, keep on collecting it. And when he showed up in your door, they just send your, your son home from school or your daughter home from school. And they say that uh, they found your daughter with some friends that were doing bad things. They just know that they were doing bad things. And they felt that your daughter was with they write you a letter. That's the, that's, that letter, don't take it as a, an isolated incident. That letter is the first manifestation that the physical rollout of a spiritual decision is now here. So that, that letter is dated 13th, for example, 13th of March, which is today. They say, oh, sorry, um, you know, your son was some, 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 something in school today, and blah, 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 blah. That letter is just telling you that today, 13th of March, is Job 113. And before Job 113, it's Job 16. That means the decision that was made some months ago, you're just seeing the physical rollout. So you, what you have to do, of course, do what you have to do naturally, but then step back, step back, and step back. And now step back into premium dimension of, of, of spirituality. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? Now push back on it. You know, you go to the office on the Monday morning, and they call you and say, excuse me, ah, we'd like to see you on the Thursday. Just suddenly, the meeting, this meeting was not scheduled. Just say, we'd like to see you. Then you enter the conference room. And straight away, you know yourself. You see somebody from HR sitting with your lineman, you already know how these meetings go. They have a brown envelope in front of them. You say, uh-huh. You know, I know because I've been through it a few times. But you know, that, if you're getting to that point before you know, it means you are not, I'm not offending you, I'm just trying to challenge us, right? It means your spirituality was low a month, two months prior to that time. You should have picked it. Ah, now something's about to happen. I need to start looking for another job. Something needs to happen. So before they were planning it, that we're going to call this person on the 13th and tell them, you just show up to them on the 11th. I say, oh, can I just see you? So, no, 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 just for five minutes. I just wanted to mention something to you. I'm going to be sending an email, but I just wanted to quickly mention to you. I want to really thank you for your mentorship and thank you for your help and thank you for everything, you know, the advice you've given me in my career. But I just, I got an offer and I wanted to let you know I will put in a letter you, in the next five minutes, you'll get it. Just to let you know. Thank you very much. The man is just there, he's stunned. You are thinking he's stunned because he's losing you. No. <laughs> it's not stunned because he's losing you. I'm telling you a true life story. He's stunned because he's thinking, what? He doesn't understand that spirits are working with you. 
divine nature. Divine nature. One of my daughters, they had planned for her. One of my daughters, they had planned for her. You know, one day I was in church here. She just came. She printed out two emails. She asked her, how is work? She said, mm, not. So she said, I'm going to, if you have five, five minutes, I can show you something. She went, she printed out two emails that her boss had written her. You know, so she printed them. So I now highlighted one or two things in the email. I looked at the email. I said, why? I said, are you looking for another job? He said, she looked at me. I said, are you looking for another job? Because these emails they've been sending you from a legal perspective. They're covering themselves. That's what they're doing. I said, but from spiritually, the decision has been made. The decision has been made spiritually. They're going to ease you out. I said, so start. To God be glory, you know, she's, she's somebody that listened. She went into depth of premium spirituality. Word, prayer, kakujasaka. You know, these are not the type of Jesus, as you can see, what my boss is saying, and I give my best in this place of work. Jesus, I know you can do all things. Jesus, please do something. Amen. And you go back to death. That is below pre-elementary. This one, when you get that scripture, kabuka shikata, when you, even when you open your mouth to pray, to pray in tongues, you are praying in tongues, you are going back and forth, back and forth, kamoto snake, Father, every attack against me, katuna maskaya. Then in need, you get to a point, you just stand in one place. You might back a wall, you might hold on to something, you stand in one place. Then at that point, you move into the subwoofer dimension of tongues. Zumba, utabukaya. Hey, that when you, when you enter that realm, even Satan, are you, is anybody in church today? Even Satan knows that something is happening. That's when you move. Associate yourself together, all you people. Give here, all you from far country. Guard yourself together. Be broken to pieces. Somebody say, where is that in the Bible? Isaiah chapter 8, verse 9 to 10. Is there? Surely they will assemble, but not because of me. Whosoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. Isaiah 54, verse 15. Somebody say, oh, but pastor, all of this is Old Testament. What is New Testament? Okay. Behold, I give you authority to step upon serpents and scorpions and all the powers of the enemy so that nothing shall by enemies hurt you, including you losing your job. He's about to hurt me, but I step upon it. I step upon everything the enemy is planning for me to lose my job. Is that in New Testament? The New Testament of the New Testament. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. For they overcame me by the power, by the word of the testimony, by the blood of the Lamb. You begin to speak forth with tongues. Serious dimension of faith. Then suddenly, somebody says, oh, get an email. Two hours after you pray. Six hours after you pray. A day after. So we saw your profile on LinkedIn. Just thought maybe you'd be interested in a chat. I'll be available this afternoon. If you're interested in a chat, please kindly confirm. You send them an email, you confirm. You pick up the email and say, oh, we, we know we turned on half some clients. And the next thing they've sent you a resume, Within 24 hours, the people say, oh, we like your resume. Really? And they say, oh, no, the people really like your resume. They really they like your profile. They really like your talk. They just want to quickly have a quick chat. Then they schedule an interview. Within a week, these people are begging you for a job. Then you get the offer in your hand. <laughs> then you get to work. They misbehaving. You're looking at them. Keep on misbehaving. <laughs> Keep on misbehaving. You'll be okay. You don't worry. You'll be okay. Just keep misbehaving. I have letter in my hand. They keep on, they, because, you see, they have their own plans. They have their plans. So they, keep, they think they're the only ones that have a letter. Uh, they didn't know that you also have a letter. Because, you know, a man thought he was the only one that has a date. Uh, 
He did not know that Mordecai and Esther also had a date. So Esther chapter 9 verse 1 says, on the day that they thought that they would overpower the Jews, the opposite of God. Somebody give him a shout of praise. How was it of God? Don't tell me nonsense. It is with the heart that one believes unto righteousness. Then what is this heart then? The heart is your spirit man. First Peter chapter 3 verse 4. The hidden person of the heart. That is the divine nature in you. This is explaining scripture with scripture. So when the Bible says with the heart, man believes, it's not talking about your physical heart. Some people say, well, the heart is this. No, look at it. This is scripture. First Peter 3 4. The hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet what? Spirit. That's where. That's why faith is domiciled. Your inner man, the divine nature in you. That's where faith is domiciled. It's not the head. You know, you know the amazing thing like Kenneth E. Egan taught us. You can doubt in your head as long as you don't doubt in your heart. Your head is where logic resides. Your heart is where faith resides. Logic resides in your mind, in your head. Logic tells you how. How you, this is going to happen. Faith tells you it's going to happen. You believe God. Now, so how do we cultivate this divine nature in you? Time is fast spent now. Okay, let me, let's just look at one or two. There are three of them I wanted to show you, but let's look at this one. Then we'll wrap up. Have you learned something today? In order to cultivate this divine nature, friends, listen, you must constantly feed it. Someone say, feed it. When you gave your life to Christ, and I gave my life to Christ, and Pastor Deboye gave his life to Christ, to God be glory for him. Do you know that it was the same measure of faith that we had, the same blood that was shed for us, the same divine nature? Understanding that grace comes as a result of the functionality of office. I get that part. But don't, don't make this mistake. There is also a discipline dimension to our spirituality. There's a price of discipline. When Pastor Reboy says that, oh, you know, I went to South Korea. I went to the prayer mountain. In the prayer mountain in South Korea, the, 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 the holes that they've dug into the mountains is about four feet. Why? So once you enter, you can stand up. Why? Because it's not designed for you to stand up. It's designed for you to do what? Kneel down and pray. So you enter the place, you kneel down and pray. So when he tells us the story about how he went there and, you know, and he knelt down to pray, pray, pray for hours. He was telling us about one time when he prayed for 36 hours. Kabula katakata, bobos nakata. Someone said, oh, it's just grace. I get you. Well, grace can be in vain. You need discipline. You need discipline. It must be consistently fed. This is the challenge many Christians are having. This morning now, for example, Many Christians around the world, not you, I know it's not you, not you at all. <laughs> not you, not you at all. But in the world, <laughs> in other places, they've eaten breakfast, heavy breakfast. But not you, right? <laughs> I said not you now, not you. But in different places, They've eaten a lot. We even tell people now Sunday mornings to come to church on the Sunday morning and, you know, uh, invite them with food. 
And as they're coming in, this is not after, after the service is fine. That's fellowship. That's fellowship. That's great. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But as they're coming in, we're giving them Belgian waffles and Auntie Jamilia and Jemima syrup. I, I know, you know, I was on holiday in the U.S. I was on holiday in the U.S. I, some years ago, before five years ago, I, was, I went on holiday in the U.S. I decided to check out a particular church. I said to Topsy, I said, let's go to this church. This church seats 2,500 people. The sanctuary, 2,500 people. I'm telling you, I went for the first, second service. Second service. But second service I'm talking about was like 9 a.m. in the morning. My God, there was no parking space. It took an angel to move somebody for me to park. There was no parking space. The place was packed. I got in there. Massive restaurant just by the door as you're entering the church. In the lobby. So they were calling me and said, excuse me. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Because I was the only one going to the wrong door. <laughs> the wrong door is the door that leads into the sanctuary. Nobody was going through that door. So they kept on calling, hello, excuse me, excuse me. Eventually one man accosted me. They sent him to me because he looked like me. So the man came to me and said, excuse me. He said, are you new here? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm new here. I said, I'm in a hurry. I want to go get, get into the service. I want to get a good service. I came from out of town. Oh, he said, no, 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 we have some. We have, he pointed to address. I said, no, no, after, after the service, after the service. He looked at me very strange. I entered the service. He said, fresh coffee. We have fresh coffee. I said, let me go and hear what they say. I come to the service. The whole service, I'm telling you a true life story, was 59 minutes. I don't have a problem with that if I have value. But what baffled me was that third person to my left hand side, the man was sitting down with a plate, packed Belgian waffles, dripping with syrup, and biting. He's not even listening to. He was, not, he was focused on his Belgian waffles. You know, more bothered about his Belgian waffles arrangement, eating it. The woman to my right hand side had a big jug of coffee, you know, and eating this wrap, wrap, which I can, I can see with my eye. That inside that wrap was some eggs, you know, omelette and all that. I'm saying to myself, seriously? So before I could lift up my eyes and the man was still talking, before I could say, okay, let's write down, end of service. Ah. So I went to, I said to myself, oh, okay, I get it. I came into the midst of the first service. This, ah, okay, they're not going to start second service. So I left my seat after service. I would walk up to see one of the ministers. I said, excuse me, please. Um, I saw that, um, I'm sorry. I, came, I saw that I came into the midst of the first service. When is the second service that? He said, no, this second service is ended. It's only 59 minutes. I said, okay. I said, so, um, uh, I'm the breakfast. He said, oh, yeah, we have a nice, we just opened it up, um, new one, we refurbished it and everything. He said, I, I hope you got yourself something. I said, ah. <laughs> I said, well, you know, it depends on the street we're living in, the people that are living on my street, in my neighborhood. Uh, if, while you're eating that breakfast in the church, they will, <laughs> they will have taken a lot of valuables from you. No, no, no. You have to feed your body, you have to feed. Yes, we must eat. To our body, but we must also feed our inner man. Jesus said this, oh my God. Man shall not live by bread alone. Many people are living by bread alone. Notice Jesus did not say don't live by bread at all. Okay, because some people take it to the extreme. This is balanced. He said don't live by bread, what? Alone, not at all. So you should eat, and you should eat well. As a matter of fact, you should feast. 
if you can. But notice that it says, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, this is very important. Can I, can I say something to you? Jesus is a student of scripture. You know, he sat down in Luke chapter 2, you know, hearing, asking, answering questions and all of that, and asking questions. Notice what Jesus said here, the way he said it. And for you to know that Jesus understands what, you know, he's used, he said that before. He said in John 5.39, John 5.39, you search the scriptures for you think in them you have eternal life. I think that's what he says, yeah. Now, what I want to show you here is that Jesus could have easily said, I mean, he used the word scripture there. He could have easily said, but by the scripture, man shall not live by bread alone, but by scripture. Why did he say, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? Why did he not say scripture? You want to know? Hmm. Because what most of us are doing, even when we say we're doing this thing we call devotion and all of that, the reason why we say, the reason the Bible is boring is because you are not hearing the voice of God. You're looking at scripture, you're not hearing the voice of God. He said, man, every single day, there must be something that comes out of the scripture proceeding from the mouth of God. That's what feeds your inner man. It's not what you read and memorize in your head. Ah. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, the earth of that bomb and darkness of the surface of the deep. And God said, Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 to 3. You know? Blessed is the man that has not walked in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sit in the path of sinners, nor stand in the sun of the skip careful. He shall be in the street planted by the All of that is in my head. I can quote it. But that's not what I live by. What I live by is what God said through those verses of scripture to me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Someone said, but Pastor, how am I going to hear the voice of God? Very, very good. Good question. You want to know the answer? You want to know why some of you have never heard the voice of God? And you wonder when you say, when you see people say, God just spoke to me. You say, how? Where? But how come God never speaks to me? Do you want to know the answer today? The answer is very simple. God does not speak to human beings. Thank you very much. <laughs> You don't agree with me. Now, God does not speak to human beings. So you say, well, so Pastor, what does that mean? God does not speak to human beings. God is spirit. So if God does not speak to human beings, so how does Pastor Debo hear that? He's not a human being. Pastor, you too, you say God spoke to you. How did you hear? I want to repeat this statement again. God does not speak to human beings. God speaks to God inside human beings. That's what happens. Please write it down, what I've just said. It's a very powerful thing. God does not speak to human beings. He speaks to God inside human beings. He speaks to himself inside the human being. Do you know the Holy Spirit is inside you? Inside your reborn, regenerated spirit? So God does not speak to you as a human being. Your head, your emotions, he doesn't speak to all of that. Your intellect, your emotions, your will, your body, he doesn't speak to that. Those things cannot pick God. God, God is spirit. But God speaks to God, the God in you, the Holy Spirit who is in you. 
the father speaks to him. Someone said, but pastor, why are you saying, why are you saying all of this? John chapter 16, John chapter 16, John chapter 16, verse 14, put it on the screen. He will glorify me, he will take off what is mine and declare to you. Keep going. Let's start from verse, um, keep going, keep going. No, let's start from verse 13. When the Spirit of God will guide into all truth, look at it now, the Holy Spirit that is inside you. Look at what it says now. He will not do what? He will not speak of his own authority, but go on now, but whatever he hears, then what will not happen? So you see, God the Father, because of what the work that Christ has done, does not speak to you. So even when you say you hear God, it's not the Father you had. Throughout the whole New Testament, do you know the Father only spoke three times? And every time they had him, they ran away. They said, yeah, he turned that. He turned that. On the Mount of Transfiguration, when the Father said, this is my beloved son, hear him. Everybody took off. <laughs> Why? Because Psalm 29 says the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord makes the deer to give birth. It breaks the cedars. You can't hear that voice. So when he speaks, the Holy Spirit takes it in the high voltage, collects it, and says, ah, this one can't handle this high voltage. Now, you know, downgrades it to the language you can now hear. So he hears it, then he now, God speaks to God in you. The God in you, now, the Holy Spirit who dwells in your spirit, now speaks to your divine nature. But when that, if that divine nature is a baby, and you're not telling the divine nature that, Zelensky, Zelensky, Divine, divine, the baby is saying, food, just give me food, <laughs> toy, toy, toy. You're saying to the Zelensky, the, the baby cannot pick Zelensky. That's why if your divine nature is not built up, you will never hear God. And when you don't hear God, you want to know the, the, the challenge of not hearing God? Isaiah chapter 30, verse 30. It's only the voice of God that can beat down the opposition. Assyria will be beaten down. Sorry, verse 31, Isaiah 30, 31. Yeah, yeah. Through the voice of God, Assyria will be beaten down. You cannot have victory without the voice of God. So you have to. So then this is what you do. This is what I do. I don't necessarily have number of chapters I'm reading a day. Can I share my personal experience with you? I have. Don't get me wrong. I do have. But... My goal is not to finish the number of chapters I read every day. Because it's a big deal if I read 25 chapters a day and I have it in my head. My inner man is not edified. I have hours that I have to spend. If that hour I'm spending is with only one verse, as long as I hear something from it, it feeds my spirit, that's it. I've been fed. I've been fed. I've been fed. I come out of that place, I can tell you that, aha! <laughs> I've been fed. Then I can take my normal food to feed my body, to keep my license going. I pay my dues. But the real engine, I tell you. Let me close by telling you one thing God showed me. One day I was studying my scripture, studying Luke chapter 1. Then I got to verse 48. And I saw what Mary said. Mary said, all generations will call me blessed. Luke 1, 48. So I said to myself, Unbelievable. Don't worry, I'm closing now, but I want to show you something. This is the secret of doing mighty things in life. Are you ready? 
mighty things in life. He said, all generations will call me blessed. Wow, how? How can all generations call me also blessed? The next verse, verse 39. He who is mighty has done great things. Holy is his name. So the Holy Spirit, you know, that place caught my attention. That's what, when you're reading the scripture and a place catches your attention, that's the Holy Spirit saying, stay there. I want to speak to you. Don't rush. Don't say, ah, my goal is to reach seven. You're not going to, you're not, impre- it's not a race. We're not impressing God. Stay there. So I stayed there. I stayed there. I stayed there. Ah. He who is mighty has done great things. Holy is his name. So when you read this now, you say, it's God he's talking about. Is that not true? Okay. But there's a secret there. If you're going to ever do great things, you must be mighty. I was always saying, oh, of course, God is mighty. That's, for, that's, for, that's, that's, that's elementary. I want to do great things, Lord. What is the secret inside this verse? Then God showed me. You have to be mighty to do great things like me. You, are not, you cannot be almighty, but you can be mighty. After all, you can be a mighty man of valor. Are you hearing me now? So, Lord, how can I be mighty? Remember, the rule is you must interpret scripture with scripture. Acts of Apostles, chapter 18, verse 24. Acts 18, verse 24. Look at what it says. Describing the man. He said, The man is mighty in what? Look at it. Look at it on the screen. He's mighty in what? So, God, God told me, The great things you will do can never go beyond your mightiness in scripture. Listen, if you are ever going to do my great thing, God said to me, if you're going to do greater things than what you have done already, then you better see deeper things in Scripture than you have seen already. Let me say something to you. Please listen carefully, my friends. We live in a world now where people don't honor the sacrifices of people. We, come, we, we say everything is luck. The, the, our, our word for luck in Christianity is grace. So, oh, Charles is lucky. Charles, you know, Charles is lucky. He came to Canada early enough, these people that first came to Canada, he's, came to, he's come to Canada long, you know, 1971, he's been in Canada. So that's why he's prospered. He came to Canada when they were selling houses for $70,000 in Brampton. That's how he prospered. No. No. I knew him from 1971 to 2000 and something. It was zero. Until light came into him. That's what changed it. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? If you want to do greater things than this, you must have life. So you must make up your mind to invest time in the study of Scripture. Then you are mighty in Scripture, then you can do great things, then you are mighty in life. Satan is going to fight you and make sure you're not mighty in Scripture because he knows that is the secret to doing mighty things in life. He who is mighty has done great things. You know, this Scripture, Ma, I studied this verse, 149, for three weeks. He who is mighty... He who is mighty has done great things. Holy is his name. He who is mighty. At one time, as I was saying it like that, over and over again, I got to the point. He who is mighty has done great things. Wale is his name. He who is mighty has done great things. Wale is his name. He who is mighty has done great things. Wale is his name. He says, Holy, this is talking about the mighty things God has done. But there are mighty things he wants you to do. Are you hearing me? And the secret, God does not need to be mighty in scripture. He himself is revelation. It's light. You and I are the ones that need to be mighty in it. Spend time in this thing. Feed your inner man. Uh, uh, I'll continue next week. But if you look at Jeremiah 15, 16, he said, thy word were found. And what did I do? Uh-huh. Not, 
there's, there's, there's reading. Which some Christians don't even do at all. Another level of that, beyond that, is studying. Most Christians don't even study the Bible. Most Christians don't study the Bible. They just read our daily bread. And then one devotional. Thank you, Jesus. They go into the go train. They rush to work. Oh, I need to go and log in. I need to go and log in. And they log in. That's it. Nothing. Then there's meditation. There's meditation. It's another level. Then after that, there is eating. So instead of devotion, start thinking consumption. What have you consumed this morning now that you woke up? What did you consume? Start thinking what I'm feeding my inner man. What's the one that's, oh, dad is reading his Bible again. Tell us, no, no, I'm here eating. That's why the small library God has given me the privilege to have in my house is considered the kitchen. That's the place where food is being cooked. I have to cook it. I have to cook it. I have to start my raw ingredients from, from the English Bible, NKJV. Then from there, I have to spice it with maybe NLT. Then sometimes that I really want the aroma to be very serious. I have, I have Hebrew Bible, Bible written in Hebrew at home. I have Bible written in Greek at home. I have to read it. So I say, huh? huh? He who is mighty in scripture has done great things. I have to read it. I have to read the thing. So when I read it like that, I now get to the, I, I get to the point of complete persuasion on the issue. Then I come out of the library, I come upstairs, it's not the same person that went to the library. If not, my library is tiny. I will randomly pick seven or eight of you on there and lock you up there. There's bedroom there, there's washroom there, and there's a physical kitchen there too. You, you will, once in a while, you, you put rations there for you, you eat one or two food. By the time you come out after seven days, don't worry, your spouse will love you a lot. <laughs> because once you come out of the place and you say, let it be, you just say, ah, things are happening. <laughs> and it's happening because you, it's a factory of faith. Your faith had gone up. Is anybody still in this house today? We'll continue next week. Feed this nature, don't take it lightly. The biggest asset God has given you is what is inside you. Don't let things happen to you anyhow. Don't let things just happen to you anyhow. Some things have happened already. Change it. So I'm waiting on God to change it. No. Don't wait on God to change it. God is waiting on you. The whole world is waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. You want to buy a house. Your money is not complete. Take the plan of the house that they gave you when you paid for the first deposit. Look at it and start manifesting on it. How do you think God created the heavens and the earth? This house you want to buy is built on what God created. How did God create it? Do you think he bought it from a builder? What's the name of the builder? He spoke and it was done. Take the plan. Every resource that will be required for the successful completion of this thing. You speak and you declare over it. Stop all this crying. Oh God, oh God, as you can see this house now. I paid the first payment, second payment. I even tried. I even went to my this and that. You know, Kunle gave me some money. Lord God, Lord have mercy on me, oh God. What is this whole thing? This is elementary Christianity. God is waiting for you to stand up and take your resume. How come nobody seeing my resume? Take the resume, put it on your table. Tell your family, please just give me about two hours. I just need to quickly do a few things. No, your wife says, how long does it take to send it? Say, honey, honey, I need just about two hours. Can't talk about Lazia. 
Marika Butale game pro Kumaskatala Yagada. When Moses, some other people were also in the, in the, on the river that they put on the river. How come the daughter of Pharaoh, the most important woman in the land, saw Moses and picked Moses out? How come it was the time she got there to have a, a bath that Moses cried? Whatever angel tapped Moses and told Moses, cry. This is the time to cry now. May that angel now also touch my resume and bring it in front of the right person. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Somebody said, but this talking about Moses, didn't talk about employment. You didn't read it very well. They employed Moses' mother and paid that money. This is scripture. This is scripture. This is scripture. Ma, I've been to Mount Tapga in Israel. I climbed it with my wife. It's not a joke to climb that mountain. That where Jesus fed 5,000 people. And we're going to go there. Going to, after this pandemic, I'm going to take you there. I want to take you there. I'm serious. I'm very serious. I'm going to share the vision with you on April 3rd. And that's part of what I'm going to be sharing with you. We're going there. I'm taking there. And I, I, you need to go there with somebody that's not just a tour guide, but somebody that has scriptural understanding. My tour guide told me that 45 years he's been doing this work, he has never, this is what he told me, he has never met anybody that knows the Bible like this. Because I was telling him, when he shows me a place, I'll tell him. He said, I told him, he said, oh, this is the field of, um, this is the field of, of, um, of um, where Ruth met Boaz. I said, oh, Boaz, ah. Boaz, the father of Obed, the man looked at me and said, nobody has ever mentioned Obed to me for the five years. <laughs> he said, how do you know Obed? I said, ah, Obed, I know Obed now. I even know if somebody mentioned his name, Obed, he don't. I said, a lot of people. When he would tell me, he said, he said this is the village, this is Rama, uh, Rama, where Moses, Moses. I said, oh, Rama, where Samuel came from? Oh, the village of Samuel. He said, yeah, he said, where, he said, where? no, because he said, this is Rama, where Joseph is from. I said, Joseph. I said, no, Samuel. He said, yeah, Joseph is from there, Joseph Aramatia. I said, I said, okay, me, I don't know that part. But <laughs> I said, but the world, the world I know is what I'm telling you now. Tell me, come on, tell me, come on, confuse me, tell me. <laughs> Abidu Mantabga, what will make 5,000 people climb that mountain to go and hear one someone? Call the someone on the mount. And they were hungry. And they said, don't worry about the food. We're going there. Whatever force took them, with children, who, and they were dragging children. Pregnant women were part of it. The elderly was part of it. There was no mobility, no elevator, and they kept going. So, Uncle, are you okay, Uncle? I'm okay, I'm okay. Uncle, you want to come back? No, 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 no. I have to meet Jesus. I have to hear what he's going to say. Uncle, but you know you can still hear Jesus in the synagogue tomorrow. It's okay, it's okay. This someone, I must hear. I must go there today. Whatever force brought them there can bring people out in the pandemic. This is the thing. This is the thing, friends. You have to think this way. This is how the divine nature works. This whole thing is not gimmick. It's not magic. You have to get into depth of scripture and use it. As I pray for you today. Everybody under the thought of my voice. Whether you're watching at home or you're here. Looking for gainful employment? This is the last week you will be unemployed. God just said to let you know. Hear me, man. You will not be disappointed. I heard that. He told me now. He said to let you know you will not be disappointed. I don't know what the I don't know what the issue is. He said, but I should tell you, you will not be disappointed. 
And let me extend that word to everybody because what he says to one, he says to all, you will not be disappointed. 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 I can't hear your amen. You will not be disappointed. Concerning your children, you will not be disappointed. On your marriage, you will not be disappointed. On your job, you will not be disappointed. Your business, you will not be disappointed. Your career, you will not be disappointed. On your health, you will not be disappointed. In the name of Jesus. I heard God say now to me, the Holy Spirit, that you minister in the dimension of reverse. In other words, whatever the enemy has done, that should be reversed right now. I speak over somebody here now. Whatever the enemy has perpetrated, instituted, that he has done, no matter how long it has been, right now, I command it to be reversed in Jesus' name. It is written, every tree my father has not planted, it must be uprooted. Whatever the enemy has planted in your life that is not affecting your destiny, I stand on the authority of Scripture by the power of the Holy Ghost and I declare, let it be uprooted now in Jesus' name. Whatever demonic spirit is oppressing anybody here today or watching online, wherever you are, whatever demonic spirit is oppressing you, listen very carefully. Every devil in hell knows what I'm saying, what I'm about to say right now. They know it, and they know it's true. They know, and they know not only that they know it's true. Most importantly, they know I believe it. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. What it means is that I know Jesus, I've given him his own, is the Adonai of Adonai. Paul, I know him also because he believes that Jesus is Lord. I speak now. Whatever demonic spirit is oppressing you, in one area or the other, hear me now, you foul devils. Take your dirty hands off now in Jesus' name. Your children will no longer be oppressed. Your marriage is free from oppression. Your body, your health is free from oppression. I'm going to say this. Every decision that hell and their agents have made Concerning you, I stand there by the superiority of Christ and his power and I declare concerning those decisions, who is it that speaks and it comes to pass when God has not commanded? May every decision of hell against your destiny right now be cancelled in Jesus' name. You will not be disappointed. 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 One last time, you will not be disappointed. If you receive it, give him a shout. This is the end of the message. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more information, please visit our website at www.houseofpraise.ca. God bless you.